Good morning, everyone. Welcome to As One at Ten. It's great to have you with us this morning, and particularly if you don't usually worship with the St. Swithin's family, it's lovely to have you join us too. Today, we're going to be hearing from Tim as he uh, teaches us from Romans 14, and as we think in the last in our series about what it means to be God's beloved St. Swithin's Church. But we're also going to remember this morning the celebration in the lead up to Easter of Jesus coming into Jerusalem as King of Kings. Now, not as a king riding on a great big horse or being driven around in a gold carriage wearing robes that flow to the ground. Not a king who just after a few years passes their kingship on to their son or daughter. But Jesus, the King of Kings the one who reigns forever. And as those in Jerusalem awaited the arrival of the king, they shouted out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, they cried, save us, save us and rescue us. They never imagined quite the way in which Jesus would rescue them. So as we come to worship together, Let's pray. Let's give praise to King Jesus, the one who came and rescued and saved us, his people. Let's give him praise for who he is and all that he's done. Let's pray together. Jesus Christ, ride into our universe this morning. King of kings, we welcome you. Jesus Christ, ride into our nations this morning. King of kings, we welcome you. Jesus Christ, ride into our city this morning. King of kings, we welcome you. Jesus Christ, ride into our homes this morning. King of kings, we welcome you. Jesus Christ, ride into our lives this morning. King of kings, we welcome you. King of the universe, king of the nations, king of the city of Bath, king of our lives, king of my life, we give you praise and welcome you this morning. Amen. Well, good morning and thank you for joining us where we are as one at 10 this morning. It's great to see you even if it's virtually. Last week in our house, we received a very unusual gift that came through up was on our doorstep as we woke up in the morning. Let me show you what that is. It was a toilet roll. And actually, it was a thank you gift from one of our neighbours, our 80-year-old neighbour, who's a way of saying thank you to Jo for the fact that providing us with food. Thought that giving her a toilet roll was a lovely way to say thank you. I mean, if any other way is way of saying we live in really strange times, that seems to me to symbolise it. We've been looking at the end of the passages in Romans that look about what it means to be God's beloved people. That as we look and understand what it means to be completely loved by God and accepted by God, it changes the way we behave. 
And here in our passage this morning, we look at how it changes the way that we treat each other, disagree, and to, uh, to encourage us not to get into food fights and how destructive it is to get into fights that destroy. You see, people in the early church were obsessed with food. Today, many people in Bath are obsessed with food, but it might be because they're really worried about not having enough food when uh, they queue up at the supermarket with this current crisis that we're in. But back in the time this passage was written, the issue was about what kind of food should be eating, what was good to eat and what was not good to eat. And that is something we can still identify with in Bath, because with what's been called the foodie revolution over the last 40 years, actually there are cafes and restaurants, a type of food, all sites of, of individual shops that produce foods of all sorts, all types of things, because we love food. And actually, dare I say, we're passionate about food. You know, some of this morning would actually not like to be seen to be going into, for example, little to do our shopping. Some of us might not want to be seen to be going into Waitrose or Marks and Spencers to do our shopping. Some of us might not like to be seen going into McDonald's to have a meal or in the poshest restaurant in Bath. Some of us will think that the only way to have proper food is to have it sourced within a very close radius of where they live, just near where their house is. Others will think that only organic is the way to go. But there are many people, many, many people around the world today who have no choice about what they eat. Back when our Bible passage was written, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians were divided by food. The barrier was food and it was threatening to tear the church apart. So what does the Bible teach us about how to approach our differences and how we get beyond agreements and avoid being destructive in fighting? And Paul essentially says two things. Look at how you treat each other and live in the light of Jesus and his kingdom. You see, Paul, who wrote this passage, went throughout the Roman Empire preaching the good news that God's kingdom was breaking in to the world, in and through Jesus, completing the story of Israel. Jesus was the only person who lived on this earth who was without any form of sin. That he died on the cross sacrificially that we're going to celebrate this Easter and then rose again victoriously on the, from the cross. Then later on at Pentecost he gave his spirit and he promised to return again. Why? So that actually anybody, Jews or Gentiles, but any of us, whatever our background, if we're prepared to put our faith in him, and turn away from our sin and repent, then we will find ultimate salvation. What the Apostle Paul didn't do was to go through with a massive new encyclopedia and create more and more laws about everything that was good and everything that was bad in minute detail. He said, think more deeply about what that knowing the good news of Jesus is all about for you, what he's done for you. Work it out for yourself in the light of God's kingdom. So what we find is Paul doesn't pick sides. He doesn't say to the Jewish Christians, he said, look, why don't you just have a bacon sandwich? Everything will be fine. He doesn't say to the Gentile Christians, you know, what you're eating is disgusting. Stop it. He says, think more deeply about what the good news of Jesus means and how that shapes every area of your life. So let's see if you've got your Bibles with you. We're just going to look at a few verses 
from our Bible passage today uh, to see how that helps us. Firstly, he shows us how we're to treat each other. In verse 13 of this passage, Paul says, stop judging each other. Don't judge. Stop looking down your noses at other people. Stop feeling superior to other people. Stop picking fights with other people on all the secondary issues of faith, on music, on dress, on politics, on music, on whatever it is you're passionate about that's a second issue. Don't judge. Don't judge. And secondly, he says in verse 15, don't hurt each other. You know, we can really hurt each other as Christians. And it's an amazing tragedy to the church. We spent ages on secondary issues, pushing people to the, to the side, actually belittling people, talking behind their heart, joking behind their backs on secondary issues. And Paul says, stop doing it. If you love God and you love his church, stop doing it. Don't cause other Christians harm. And then thirdly, Paul says towards the end of our passage in verse 22, you don't have to tell people everything. Keep control of your tongue. You don't have to tell everybody all your opinions, all your time about differently. Exercise some self-control in your life. Keep them to yourself. Learn to keep them to yourself. God is perfectly able to sort out some of the people you're con so concerned about trying to advise and give opinions to. Learn to keep quiet. Don't let your tongue be a stumbling block to other Christians. Don't judge, don't hurt. Learn to keep quiet and control your tongue, says Paul. Then he also says, goes on to say, live in the light of God's good news of God's kingdom. And this Palm Sunday where we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem on a humble, as a humble king. He says in verse 15, remember that Christ died for the people you're in disagreement with. Imitate Christ who died for you and for me. Jesus gave up his rights. Jesus put others first. Jesus died for you and I, even though we didn't deserve it. Most of us think that the way to a good life is constantly to assert our rights, to be aggressive, to look after number one. But gradually we do destroy our stuff around us. And Jesus taught an entirely different way to a full life. He said, only when you give up your life, Will you experience abundant life that I came to bring? And then there's this beautiful verse, uh, verse 17 in Romans 14, if you've got it in front of you, that says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us very clearly that our food choices won't get you nearer to God. And the kingdom of God is a shorthand for the rule and the reign of God in our lives, making God number one in our lives. And Jesus' arrival on this earth changed everything and broke down the barriers and broke down the walls of all that separated and divided us of what's in and out and what's good to eat and what's not good to eat. And what Paul is saying is if anything else other than God and his kingdom rules or dominates your life, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's leisure, whether it's sport, whether it's culture. If something else rules or dominates your life, the Bible calls that an idol. An idol is something that you live for and organise your whole life around. And why? Because really what we're looking for, Paul says, is we're looking for righteousness, 
for peace and joy, but facing, placing our faith, in, faith, placing our faith in those things. But the Paul says the only way to find true righteousness, true peace, and true joy is putting that trust in God's kingdom. See, the thing is, if you organise your life around anything other than Christ, you're always going to be frustrated by the fact that your search for perfection is unending and that you always feel as though you never meet the mark and you're somehow unacceptable. You're always going to be frustrated by the fact that your search for inner peace never ends and frustrated that real joy and lasting pleasure is elusive to you. So this Palm Sunday... As we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem as a humble king and as we journey towards Easter. Jesus is the only one who will give us the love and the acceptance that you and I crave in our lives. Jesus is the only one who will give you the peace that each one of us so desperately need at this time of uncertainty, of fear and chaos in the world today with coronavirus. And Jesus is the only one who will fill your life with a joy that can't be drowned out as you live under his godly and kingly rule this Easter time. Let's pray. This Palm Sunday, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the good news of Jesus, our humble King. And by your Holy Spirit, we pray, would you give us the power to live and demonstrate your righteousness, your peace and your joy in Bath today. And would you enable us not to damage your beloved bride, your church? Would you renew our trust in your son, Jesus, over this Easter time? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On this Palm Sunday, let us pray together with the words, four words to travel through this week. Grace, mercy, promise and hope. Loving, compassionate and generous Heavenly Father, help us to Receive the gift of grace that is your Son, Jesus, to understand what it means that your grace is sufficient for us. Help us to receive graciously gifts from one another and to realise the gift that we are to one another at this time. Mercy. Lord, thank you for your mercy. May it fall upon us like spring rain. May it soften our hearts. May it water the seeds of your word that's planted within us. And as you hear the rain now, um, think of somebody you, you want to um, receive God's mercy, particularly a neighbour, a friend or family member. Think of hearts softening and returning to God and we pray for God to be merciful, merciful upon us and towards our nation at this time. Promise. Thank you Lord for the promises of your word. Let us think of a verse that's sustaining us at this time and thank God for his word and that Jesus is the word. I thank you Lord for Isaiah 43. Fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. And as a sign of God's promises, if you haven't already done so, you might like to do a rainbow and put it in your window. And finally, hope. 
Father, thank you for the hope that you have put in each of us. And as we hold on to God's promises and cling to his goodness, let us be agents of hope to all those we know and all those that you have put on our hearts. Jesus, hope of the nations, help us to be what you have called us to be at this time, candles burning between hope and despair. That is the disquietening place that we must be found. Therefore, may the grace and mercy of God carry us through this week as you hold on to his promises and as we offer hope to those around us. Amen. As we worship together across the city scattered in this new way, we have some other resources to help us in our worship. If you didn't receive the email with those resources, you can find them on our website by going to www.stswithenswalcott.org.uk forward slash talks, where you will find a whole pattern for our worship this morning, including some questions that you could discuss as a household or reflect on in quiet on your own. There are creative suggestions for how to pray or how to respond. There are a couple of simple songs that you can sing along to or simply listen to. And for all other updates on the life of the church, please visit www.stswithenswalcott.org.uk forward slash news. 